comes, it's Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter, the podcast that interviews the most interesting and influential people making an impact on Nashville's business, charitable, and entertainment scenes. Joining us now from his roving camper studio, here's Andrew. Welcome to episode 16 of Nashville Untold, and thank you for tuning in. Today in the Rambler, I will be hosting Joe Sly. Nashville really prides itself on, at least in the Nashville music industry, is um, is that FaceTime. It is that meeting in person. Uh, you know, because I've had those experiences, and there's experiences like that uh, around town. That uh, you know, whether it's a workshop or whether it's a some kind of a session where you can sort of actually sit, you know, face to face and get some time with people that are uh, veterans or, or further along in the industry. And it's, it is very valuable because, uh, yeah, the, the email and the internet and Facebook, that's, it doesn't do it. Joe and I recorded this interview back in the spring, and it sounds like I might have had a bit of a cold. But I do remember the weather was perfect that day. We had the uh, the windows open. And as I was listening um, to the edited podcast, I believe there was some construction going on in the background because if you, you might hear a light beep, beep. Hopefully that won't annoy you too much. Last week I mentioned that Chad Jeffers would be on this episode, but I had to call an audible. He's out touring with Carrie Underwood. And I wanted him to play a song because he also does some writing. And he won't be available until probably about a month. So I'm going to wait and put his out then. And um, so you'll be able to enjoy Joe Sly. Joe brought a lot of experience and insight into the interview. I loved hearing about some of his travels and some of the adventures his family has been a part of. I also enjoyed hearing about musicians that have pulled back the reins a bit from traveling when they're able to anyways and shift the gears to be uh, home a bit more um, that's i have some friends that have done that as well and i kind of always like hearing that with that being said i know that not everybody has the opportunity to do that so sometimes you got to get on the road and and make the money but when you can it's always great that you do take that opportunity to uh to be closer while your kids are growing up. Joe will also be playing a song at the end of the, the episode, so make sure to tune in for that. Now, a quick word from the local nonprofit of the month, Safe Haven. This month, I will be featuring Safe Haven Homeless Shelter. Go ahead and pull out your calendar and mark the date for November the 10th for Hike for the Homeless. It takes place at Edwin Warner Park and is a great event for families as well as individuals. There's a bunch of food and games and I don't know, they might be having some music this year. I'll find out a little bit more. Um, they did last year. But it's, uh, it's a great way to raise awareness and money for the homelessness in Nashville. So it's definitely something that you want to, uh, to check out. Safe Haven is the only shelter to housing program of its kind in Middle Tennessee that accepts the entire homeless family. They keep the family together and provide comprehensive services that empower them to achieve lasting self-sufficiency. Safe Haven helps families experiencing homelessness by providing for their immediate needs to shelter and stability. Next week, I'll have a conversation with Stacy Nunley. She's with uh, Safe Haven, and she'll be giving a little bit more insight into what they have going on, some of the programs, and more details about the hike. So, without further ado, here is Joe. Hello, Nashville. Today I am sitting with Joe Sly, and uh, I am actually in the parking lot of Adore to Hope um, Ministry. Brent Gambrell let me uh, park here, and man, today is a perfect day. Mm. Got the doors open, the windows open, the breeze is flowing through. Um, we might get a little hot. Uh, but anyway, so uh, I met, uh, actually I was introduced to Joe through Mark Barnowski, mm -hmm. and I said it right. When yeah. I was interviewing, I actually couldn't, for whatever reason, I kept messing it up. And then, <laughs> and then afterwards, I'm like, man, I got it now, you know? <laughs> but uh, anyway, so thanks for the time to uh, come out here and sit down with me and chat a little bit and 
let the audience get to know you. Well, yeah, thanks for having me out here. It's um, beautiful. Thanks. So first, I'm going to do a little speed round, icebreaker. All right. You know. Good. Um, so how long have you lived in Nashville? Uh, going on about three years now. Okay. Where'd you Where'd you move from? From the middle of Wisconsin, a little town called Oshkosh. Oshkosh. Magosh. Mm-hmm. Oshkosh, Magosh. I made a trip up to Wisconsin. It was, I think it was Wickeshaw. Waukesha. Waukesha uh-huh. School District. There's a lot of District. walls up there. Yeah. Yeah. And I was driving a cabin chassis. Mm. And man, I was bouncing every other bump. The roads <laughs> were a little bumpy. Oh, yeah. Bumpy. Outside of Milwaukee, there it gets yeah. Little, yeah. Little bumpy. Yeah. Some of the ones around here, too. Now that spring is, I mean, spring's in full effect and it's getting little uh, potholes and cracks here and Just there. Just don't get on 440. <sighs> yeah. Man, <laughs> we won't talk roads. <laughs> um, so, why'd you move to Nashville? I love it here. Music City. I, uh, I was making a bunch of trips here in the years previous and. Uh, I think one of the ones that really solidified it was when I was staying with some some, some of my friends who had an apartment just uh, kind of on the other side of Belmont. I was doing a workshop at ASCAP, and every day I'd just walk 20 minutes down 16th, 18th, 17th, just walking back and forth up these roads, and uh, just to just to see that you know every every third house had something to do with music, something to do with publishing, had their big banners out celebrating. They're songwriters, and that's really where it clicked for me. Like, oh, that's what's different about Nashville is they celebrate songs and songwriters in a way that I've never seen mm-hmm. anywhere, and uh, I've been to a few different places. So yeah, yeah, I just loved it, and it felt right. And that's cool. Yeah, I guess we're the, uh, I guess we're the friendliest city in kind of all spec, all aspects of uh, yeah. life and business, right? I think so. That's what I was telling mm-hmm. somebody the other day. They were asking, why is Nashville so hot? And and I kind of throw out a bunch of stuff, but that was one of the things I said. I was like, we got a good mixture of culture and mm-hmm. and even hearing, you know, some, some musician stories talking about how they are, they're always kind of there for each other, lifting each other up, not not so much trying to compete, mm-hmm. you know. Right. So that's pretty cool. Um, so what part of town do you uh, live in now and why did you choose that location? Well, we live a little bit out of town in Ashland City. It's about 25 miles northwest towards Clarksville. And uh, we chose that because we wanted to... Uh, you know, the place we were living before was just uh, uh, our first home in the middle of Wisconsin. And it was just your typical uh, kind of neighborhood, little quarter acre lot and a house. And it was fine. It was great for us. But we always knew that in our in our plans, we wanted to live out on some land and, and be able to have a mini, little mini hobby farm. So that's what we were looking for. And uh, the one we found, it just had all the right elements. It was a, a nice sized house. It was a little newer. Uh, it was about six acres, and the land was beautiful, and Perfect. it was just a half hour from Nashville, which I knew I'd be commuting to a lot. So right. uh, that's how we ended up there, and it's a beautiful spot that I think we're we're just very grateful to have found and and call home. Awesome, yeah, that's great. And and as we were talking about earlier, that they, they haven't developed like crazy up there either. So mm-hmm. that's uh, nice, and that's what I love about Nashville is you're 30 minutes out. And you got the country feel, right? Right. You come here, you get all the whining and dining <laughs> and music and, you know, all mm-hmm. the city life you want. Um, yeah. So it's nice to be able to take a little little trip and be into a piece of country heaven, right? Mm, it's true, yeah. So, uh, favorite restaurant? Hmm, you know, I haven't been to a whole lot of them yet. Uh, I was out at the uh, the Midtown Cafe the other day. That was pretty good. They had some delicious stuff. Uh, but yeah, I don't I don't get out too much to restaurants because uh, I think part of it is just living out of town. I kind of right. come in, uh, do my writing, recording, whatever I come into town for, and then I, I kind of get back out to either go to work or go back home. So, you know, there used to be a spot. I don't even think they're open anymore. My favorite spot was called The Woodlands. Uh, it was on West End, kind of right near the the on-ramp to 440. Kind of, it, it was actually on the ground level, and there was like either a some kind of apartment, I think, above it. But uh, it was an Indian restaurant and a vegetarian Indian restaurant, which okay. suits me since I'm a vegetarian. Okay. And they had a, uh, they would have a lunch buffet every day. And it was just, uh, I love Indian food anyway, but they, and every time I was there, it was a little bit different. And it was mm-hmm. always just, a, you know, just a, a lot to choose from. You know, yeah. it's, being a vegetarian is always a little bit challenging Yeah. Um, to find that kind of variety and that kind of You've been to the farmer's market? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been to Do the they have some market. good selection of different stuff there? Would you say? Uh, yeah, you know, and I like how they run all year long. That's yeah. that's kind of new. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coming from Wisconsin, we get you know three, four months of good summer. Right. And so yeah, all year that's kind of neat to they see. Actually, that's how I met Mark. I was at, yeah. at the farmers market and walking along, and his wife was selling the you know her uh-huh. hats and shirts and cool stuff. Um, these did she make these? No, too? she didn't make those. Okay. That was uh, the Anderson Design mm-hmm. Group. Mm-hmm. Um, Favorite hobby? 
Yeah, I would say uh, probably uh, some combination of being out either gardening or, or, or just building like uh, carpentry kind of stuff. You yeah. know, that's, uh, that's pretty much like, you know, during the week it's all music, it's all writing, recording, teaching, producing. And, uh, and then on the weekends, you know, when I'm, when I'm home and just hanging out with the family, I like to get out in the garden or get out and, and just build something. And, uh, you know, I, I think about, um, uh, George Harrison a lot the, from the Beatles and how, okay. you know, they did their thing. And, and then, you know, after the, the Beatles kind of hung up and retired, he just went off and, and, and kind of became a gardener. And that was his, his idea was just like, this is this is my thing now. Like, yeah. I don't I don't really need to make music a priority for myself anymore. I can just be peaceful and, and yeah. find that in the garden. And I I can see that someday. You know, right now I I still love making music as much as I do. Right. But, you know, sometimes I think, all right. So what happens if like I get in some accident and both my hands are cut off and my voice box falls and I'm just like not able to make music in the same way? I think I could still find yeah. some some uh, be content in in nature yeah world, yeah you know? definitely yeah <laughs> it's cool i mean it that makes me think we uh, i'm in a mastermind group and they posed the question of uh what it, so the platforms kind of freelance the freedom mm. and uh and it's like what is your goal to have freedom and what does freedom mean to you mm-hmm. you know and uh, I, I my wife and i were talking about that last night and uh just you know kind of which we got to explore a little bit deeper what it means but but the, i can picture that you know I, i'll go show homes in a the city, mm-hmm. and then I'll get out, you know, Lebanon or North, and I'm just mm. like, oh, the five, six acres, uh-huh. like, I didn't want a tree out, like, I'm literally, we got two Bradford pears in the backyard, uh-huh. I'm going to make a couple little sitting areas for the boys so they can, you know, read, but, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, and I want it, I want it now, because yeah. they're young, mm-hmm. and I want them to experience that, but, uh, but it's tough, you know, you kind of get the mix of both, you know, and you've been to both, and, mm-hmm. um, and my my uh, in-laws they had goats and sheep and mm-hmm. all that fun stuff too you mm-hmm. know so um I, I can appreciate the farm aspect you know yeah so tell me a little something unique crazy about yourself you know I, maybe maybe unique uh around here in the fact that i i grew up spending a lot of my my childhood learning classical piano okay. and classical music so it, it kind of gives me a, a different perspective and even still i you know just this morning but a lot of mornings i'll just you know sit for a few and, and grab some old uh, small books and like this morning I was playing some Rachmaninoff or some Chopin or something like that and cool. uh, you know and, and then I come to town and kind of put that on the shelf and get back into like alright what's what's happening today right <laughs> what's what, what's uh, what's relevant right now and uh, you know strange enough yesterday I was actually writing by myself a little bit and uh, somewhere in the middle of it I, I, I found myself quoting some old classical melody and just kind of like putting a piece of it in there and, and tweaking it around a little bit but uh, so all that stuff sort of runs runs through my my uh, musical DNA I guess which is maybe a little bit unique yeah around yeah here. gives you a little different perspective on what you bring to the industry probably as I well, think so right? yeah um, so what's uh, what's one of your favorite places you visited mm, I love Thailand I've spent I've spent quite a while there on a couple of different occasions and uh, I mean I love the the climate and the food and the people and uh, the, it's uh, it's kind of it's neat to be in a place where where Buddhism Buddhism is the primary religion okay uh, you know it's just neat to see the different perspectives and just see how common everything is and how uh, how this how similar that humans are all over the world right you know, it's so I love it there. Um, uh, New Zealand was lovely. We we spent uh, a few months in New Zealand. We used to a little more often. We would um, the family, wife and kids, and the kids were real young at the time. We would do this thing called woofing. I don't know if you've heard of woofing. It's well, it's an acronym. It's something like uh, willing workers on organic farms or something okay. like this. And it's a big global network. And essentially, you kind of pick a spot on the map that you want to go, and uh, you know you. You uh, you might have you might pay like a little membership fee to get the listings, but you anyway. Then you get the listings of people who have little farms out there that also have um, lodging situations. So basically, it's a work exchange. You go out, wow. and most of the time we've we've done it in uh, probably four or five different countries. And most of the time, you know, you work a few hours during the day doing some whatever. You're just digging in the dirt, planting stuff, harvesting, uh, keeping stuff up around their farm. 
and and then in exchange a lot of times you'll get maybe it'll be a spot like this like yeah. a like a converted uh trailer or um some of them have little cottages built and uh -huh. it's all different arrangements and then some of them will make food for you some of them won't and it's just everybody's got a little different exchange but that's what we would do uh like usually january february just like that's w pretty wisconsin cool. gets into sub-zero deep freeze and it's good to get out so we would go to somewhere tropical costa rica really? new zealand and, and just you know wolfing Woof, W-W-O-O-F. Okay. Yeah. So wow. uh, I like that. That's a neat idea. You know, concept. I think even now, we haven't done it for a few years now, but I think looking back on it, I think it's still my been my favorite way to travel. Yeah. Because it's... Uh, you get to experience the culture yeah, plus help and... Like you're you literally know? digging in the dirt with the people who yeah. have grown up in this dirt. Uh, rather I love than, that. Rather than just cruising around the, the main street on a tour bus and, right. and you know, seeing the... The churches and the museums, which you know, I've done a lot of that too. Doing the, uh, you know, we we did a a long trek in Europe when I was in college, like that, where it was just every day was like, okay, let's run and see as many museums as we right, can before we right. catch the train and go to Rome and see all the art, and then we go to catch the train and, and we did so many things and it was cool, but to just slow down a little bit and say, all right, we got we got a couple months to be on this farm and, and this beach and this. Yeah, this place, that's so. pretty cool. I like that. And then, yeah. you know, only two or three hours in exchange. So that's mm -hmm. pretty neat. All right. So I will um, I'll dig into your bio a little bit. Yeah. So Joey Sly's music. Actually, I was reading this and I was like, can I can I say this? I think I can. Somebody else wrote it, I believe. Um, <laughs> Joey Sly's music is honed like an acupuncture needle. It slips under your skin, stimulates your vitality, then leaves you feeling good all over. Sharpening his skills on the global stage for most of his life, Joe has shared audiences with a very large array of bands, Train, Maroon 5, Lady Antebellum, um, and many others, in venues such as Hard Rock Cafe, Summerfest in Milwaukee, um, Lambeau Field in Green Bay, Bluebird Cafe in Nashville, and numerous festivals, clubs, and coffee shops from coast to coast. He calls himself a music specializer. Um... He would say, it's, uh, I'm a producer, a songwriter, a track guy, session player, international touring performer, band leader, arranger, transcriber, teacher, engineer, musical director, classically trained bachelor of fine arts, etc. Uh, but you'd rather just call yourself the, the <laughs> music specializer. <laughs> Isn't that so much Man, easier to say? <laughs> that's a lot of experience in there. Um, actually, I left out a... a, a I can't even say the word. A company, a company, that's blah, a blah, blah, blah. A, a company, a companist, a companyist. Yeah, okay. I'm so not sure. It's not, okay, yeah, good. It's good. too many you syllables. It. it is. It's like, whatever. <laughs> anyway, so, man, that's that's pretty cool. You do a lot, and you've been a lot of places. Um, and actually, I was thinking you said you had Kid Rock up here, which he owns some land, isn't it, in Ashland City? Area? That could be. I know he's got some stuff Or right White's here. Creek, I think, somewhere on there. Right, right near the uh, Fontenelle area, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So... All right. There was a little description of you. Um, anything else you want to add? What you're what you're doing? Is that still until tell, tell you? Well, you know, the the first thing you end up reading was a lot. Uh, I think that that particular part of the bio was written back when I was more uh, more focused on the artist, okay. career, which I did for most of my teens and my 20s. I mean, that's what that's part of what took me to some of these places. That's the first time I've been to like China and Thailand was on tour. And it was uh you know, adventurous and fun and all that, but uh, at this point now, I've, I've sort of shifted lanes a little bit, and the pursuing the artist thing isn't a priority for me anymore. I'm much more content being a family man and knowing that I can be home and see my kids grow up. And you know, so I like uh, I like what we have now, where I can I can focus in on the writing and the collaborating. And the production, like the writing, the production are probably my priorities right now. Okay. Aside from the, you know, obviously family, but okay. I don't know if that awesome. answers what no, you're yeah. getting at. And I've done, I've met uh, several, you know, musicians that I think you have that more flexibility and freedom when you're younger, so you go experience that, and then family, you know, thankfully keeps us more grounded, you know, mm -hmm. at home and want to live that life. So mm -hmm. I think that's a uh, great priorities. Um, all right, so pretend you can go back in time and you're sitting on your living room spinning around like an LP record. <laughs> Who or what had some of the greatest influences in your life? Uh, you know, well, in that particular story, you know, I remember being in preschool age when that was going on when, when my mom would be spinning records and I'd be spinning on the floor like that. 
Uh, it was like, it was the Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson, a lot of Motown stuff. Um, it was the Beatles. The Beatles were a big one back then. But then she also had a few a few that were, you know, those are probably the main ones that, that gave me like the pop R&B sensibility. But then there would be stuff like Led Zeppelin in there and Fleetwood Mac and Patsy Cline and uh, just, you know, it's those, those songs that you hear even, you know, decades later that just still never got old. They just... Uh, they just aged gracefully, and that's something I have to remind myself of once in a while. Is you know a lot of us go into the room thinking, all right, we gotta let's let's try to write some hits, let's try to get some cuts, but you know maybe maybe the uh, the ambition should actually be to write some standards. Like, mm -hmm. what's a song that's gonna be maybe a hit today, but what's a song that might be rediscovered by the next generation and brought back to life again? The, the I will always love yous. The right, you know. I mean, musically, I think those were the early influences. And then, like I mentioned, I did a lot of uh, classical music. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, they, I, I think, uh, you know, a lot of people say that your, your, your big formative years are your teen years. That's when you really start to, you know, kind of discover things for yourself. And, um, and when I was a teenager, what was really uh, influential, I guess, to me and my group of people was... Uh, sort of the grunge rock, the Pearl Jams, the Nirvana. Oh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. You uh, know, so I'm in the same era yeah, there, you know. Yeah, so Love I mean, that stuff. That's when, that's when the mm -hmm. hair grew long. That's when the piano got traded for an electric guitar. That's uh, that's when we were just rocking out in bands. And that's when I got my first taste of, like, playing in a band on a stage for an audience. And uh, some of those experiences just, you know, shaped <laughs> the next many decades for me of 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 how I went out into the world as a yeah. musician or an artist and yeah STP yeah. introduced me into, ah, yeah. into that in the, and actually they're playing in Nashville but without really? the main singer obviously yeah. I don't know how that'll work but wow well, I suppose yeah. the brothers were always the main yeah. writing okay. force of it but, right. but that singer I mean he was a good singer he had a great voice but he always had such a unique sort yeah. of uh, his perspective in the lyric you know I, I realized looking back that I was not I was not enjoying that music band because of the lyrical content. Like okay. I, I don't think I even noticed it. I think I was just like, I love that riff, I love the feel and the energy behind it. But I wasn't the singer back then, so I didn't. I never had to learn the words. And never yeah, I never did about. either. Like, but looking yeah. back on some of those, like STP or Alice in Chains, like, oh, gosh, I, I would not choose to listen to this right now if this was if this was new music today. Right. <laughs> like, right. If, 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 like once my kids start listening to something like this, this is where the rift between yeah. teens and parents comes. I think right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that that's why like I always loved the hip hop and R and B, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I then I started listening to the alternative. But that's why I've always loved music because I can't remember lyrics mm -hmm. like I I mean I just can't I could try it a hundred times mm -hmm. and so half the time I didn't listen to the lyrics yeah you know um, and so the language didn't affect me as much because I just wanted the bass yeah exactly. <laughs> or the the music with the guitars and yeah, mm -hmm. I was listening to Nirvana uh, Teen Spirit the other day and I was like uh, man that is such a great song yeah. I mean long and like it's just like wow man he had some <laughs> talent yeah um, oh my god yeah so who uh, who who or what injected the musical bug into you? You know, I would say that that it came a little bit from the family because we always had a always had a piano in the house. My mom, and it was my mom's piano that she had from when she was a little kid, uh, and she can still remember like when the delivery truck came and and mm. brought their their family piano. She remembers that day, and and that's the one that I grew up playing. And then she passed it on to me, and I played it as long as I could. And so uh, the fact that she could play a little bit. And I think her, uh, either her mom or her grand grandma played a little bit too. So just to have that, uh, I think it was just a fascination for me. Like this, uh, and it must have been more than just as a toy, just as a noise-making thing, because I stuck with it. And uh, from from the way my mom tells it, I was I was begging for piano lessons when I was you know four or five years old, and um, so I think that that influence was really nice and, and, and she was always really supportive of it and, mm -hmm. and you know um, took piano lessons all through uh, till about till about uh, high school teenage age and uh, yeah I know that wasn't cheap you know I, I was for the latter half of it I was going to the Wausau Conservatory of Music which is okay. just as fancy as it sounds I'm sure I'm, I'm sure on uh, I took a big bite out of their right. budget but right. but they uh they believed in they believed in what I was doing and, and it's uh, I'm very grateful that 
that my family was so supportive all along. So being a musician, um, what's your thoughts on your kids being musicians? A lot of musicians are like, <laughs> run, run. But, you know, I'm kind of, it would be hard for me to think that. Now, I'm not in a music musician's shoes, but what's your, uh, <laughs> how do you approach that with your kids? With a really, uh, I guess with a really soft hand, you know, um, for the last few months or so, so as I mentioned to you, I have a six-month-old daughter right now. She's a third child. And so every every few days or so, and we're just hanging out, and I'm just holding her. I'll, just, I'll sit at the piano and play a little bit, and she's sitting on my lap. And, you know, she can uh, uh, kind of just feel that and hear that and, and sense it. I think I did it with my other kids, too. But um, my other kids so far haven't really taken a, a real... Uh, keen interest in it, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got instruments all over the house. We got guitars and piano and, and percussion things and toys. And I think to them, it is it's more toys. Right. It's right. like, oh, it's cool. I can make some noise on this thing one day. And, and uh, my my two older kids have, uh, you know, at one point, you know, I got the little like uh, Faber teaching little fingers to play kind of book, and and we went through some of the things, and they they can do it really well, and and we sat down and did it, but it was it's nothing where they're Every day, chomping at the bit, trying to be like, "All right, let's, let's. I want to play some, practice some more, and, and learn how to play these songs." And right, and I, and I don't, I don't feel like I want to enforce it either. Right, and say, you know what? Why don't you sit and practice piano? Why don't you do that? Because I just want to let them find their way, and um, it might be for them that that they'll find their way into a lot of other things and come back to music later on. In right, life. and that's fine too. Um, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I bet it's a lot of, I mean, I think about, you know, with sports, with people who you have know, played sports and then they got kids with sports. You know, it to me, it seems it's probably a lot more freeing to not have to feel the pressure. And mm -hmm. a lot of times, you know, obviously parents probably don't even realize the pressure they're putting on their kids mm. to either one, be what they weren't, mm -hmm. you know, or live through them, yeah, that experience. Yeah. So it's funny because, like, I don't push my kids towards anything, but then sometimes I feel guilty, mm -hmm. you know, because I don't, mm, because yeah. everybody else is. But then I'm like, no, I don't want the norm. I want the freedom to go enjoy nature on weekends and stuff, you know? Right. Um, so I, I think it's a, a balance, but I can imagine it being, you know, a lot less pressure on a parent to not feel that they have to make their kids mm -hmm. be what they are, you know? Every once in a while I talk to somebody and, and they might make a comment like, ah, oh, you know, I wish, I wish my parents would have made me take piano lessons back then. So I'd, have that skill set and you know uh, maybe so but maybe you would have been eight years old and your parents would have made you take piano lessons and you would have resented it because they're forcing you to and you didn't want to spend the I mean it takes time and discipline yeah and that's not always uh, an easy thing for somebody who's young and I've talked to way more people who have that story which you've probably heard which yeah I took piano lessons for about a year and you know, I hated it. I didn't want to practice, or my teacher was mean. I didn't, you know, I didn't like my teacher, and so I never played again. Right. And there's usually a little bit of regret in their voice in those stories. Like, so it's something I, I, I always think about that because I hear it a lot, and I'm a music teacher now, so I, I want to make sure that, that the influence that I might be having is, is totally positive, and they won't look back when they're adults yeah. and look back and say, oh, if it wouldn't have been for that mean teacher, I'd still be playing yeah. music now. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty cool. I mean, it gives you a different perspective to bring to that, and hopefully, mm -hmm. regardless if they run with it or not, at least right. you can make that experience. There's some more ice if you want some. Oh, that's good. Um, all right, so if you could write two or three songs about moments in your life that had the most impact, what would they be titled? And what would you? What would their stories consist of? Wow. Well, there'd probably be one uh, called something something about family man, you know, because that having having kids certainly changes everything in 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 a great way. You know, I was uh, there's a there's a huge range of emotions when when you find out that you're. Uh, you're expecting mm -hmm. um, from you know fear and inadequacy to excitement to just sheer you know <laughs> confusion how do I, and doubt. How do I deal with my wife during this period? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know it's it's such a joyful experience for me. I, I wouldn't trade it for a thing. So I mean that's that's a big pivotal point in my life. And um, and before that, you know there's there's another big pivotal moment I feel in my life when I was. Uh, must have been about 
17 or so and uh, riding in a car full of my friends, five of us, and we got in a really bad accident. Uh, four of us were shaken up and had to be in the hospital and one of us didn't even make it. Mm, wow. And that, that really puts things in perspective too. You know, it's one thing when, when grandma or grandpa passes on because, you know, it's it's sort of you're expecting the end of their right. life or they're getting there. But when your 17-year-old friend who has nothing but life ahead of them is gone, it just, I think, I think I can trace, you know, my own uh, attitudes back to that because it's just, uh, just a reminder that, you know, this this life is fleeting and that every every breath it's like the what that line in, in luke bryan's new song i'm sure ashley's probably right around it yeah probably so <laughs> every every <clears throat> every breath is a gift the first to the last you know that's and i think that my attitude steered more in that direction at that point in my life realizing okay well uh, just i need to approach life with more uh, positivity more compassion more uh, just gratitude that i even can wake up today and, and still be here so, oh, that song be called. <laughs> be called, uh, you know, glad I woke up today. <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah, I saw a, a Facebook post from a friend of mine, Ross Holmes. He's a he's a musician, and uh, he said they woke up to a bunch of sirens and noise, and the house next to him was on fire, mm. and three people died, and one was in the hospital. Mm. It's like, man, just you like know, that. Mm-hmm. stuff like that can uh, shake you up, change. Mm make your perspective change a little bit you know yeah you know and now we're talking about i think i actually did i wrote that song i've probably written that song right, many right. times talking about that but there's one in particular that i wrote that uh i played a whole bunch with my band it's called best day ever and it's the whole idea is there's just like like waking up and you know being grateful that like today is the best day ever and that's every today every today is the best day ever because here we are we get to be alive on this planet one more day and it's it's the best one it's the, it's the, it's the one we got you know right. make the best of it right? yeah. yeah yeah so if you were standing on stage holding a grammy and about to give the speech <laughs> of your life who are a few people that would for sure that you would for sure mention and who you would suggest that people currently should learn about mm. first thing that comes to my mind is my wife my kids my parents uh biggest influences um i've had so many so many great teachers and mentors that uh, that would would be a big lesson i know they try to cut you off on on the grammy stage (laughs) if i could oh my goodness i mean so many uh, at least you know i'd I'd probably try to uh, focus it more on my mentors in the music industry since that's why i'm clicking the music award so i mean there's uh man folks like pat patterson and ralph murphy and uh, Bart Herbison and and so many people that have just been a positive influence and in, in, uh, steering this <laughs> through this uh, music industry. Uh, and then, well, the the second half was what. So now, you know, who would you advise my to follow, or you know, you you'd learn something from? Oh, to to advise people to to check out. Um, you know, I. I learned a lot from, I think, one of my favorite writers and musicians of all time, Stevie Wonder. I learned a lot of, uh, you know, his struggles and his challenges and his diversity and the pure joy and love that's still in his music. You know, I'd probably mention some like like Frederick Chopin, one of my favorite uh, classical music composers. Like the amount of feeling that he that the guys like that were able to evoke without any words. But then you know some of the some of the great wordsmiths too the, the, that I that I love like Paul Simon or yeah that's a that's a good question I <laughs> I love the thought man though yeah. like just the kind of you know mm-hmm. obviously I sit here and ask these questions right and I think I look at them I'm thinking I don't think I can I can think that quick on that that's why I was like all right, right. I do need to make sure I'm sending these in advance you know yeah um, because yeah and especially you know older older you get you know hopefully the more influence you've had in your life and mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. or who is influencing you now so uh yeah that's cool yeah yeah so uh so switch gears a little bit if you had a chance to uh be a stand-up comedian <laughs> what are a few stories over the last years um that you would make the audience fall out of their chairs <laughs> oh my goodness ah oh, that's that's a good question too that was 
That's a tricky one for me because I, I, I do, I, I try to uh, find humor in, in just daily life, like in every little thing. So sometimes it's harder for me to think about like the, the big punchline kind of humor. Yeah, that was one of the questions you sent that I didn't, I didn't think too hard about because right. <laughs> nothing popped in like the other ones. Uh, you know, I'm going to have to come back to that okay. one. <laughs> All right. So uh, if you had an opportunity to be vulnerable and transparent to a group of teenagers, what are a few struggles you would share along your journey? How did it affect you and how did you come out a better person? Hmm. That's another good question. Well, you know, I think that, you know, as a teenager, uh, I probably wasn't unique in, in going through some big mood swings and, and uh, I think especially like loneliness and isolation, which I think can, can have a, a pretty devastating effect. I think, you know, part of what causes that is feeling disconnected. And, and um, if there's a way to sort of be reminded just how connected we are, not just to our family and our, our immediate circle, but to seven billion other people on this world, you know, I think if we can find a way to to help, to to reach out and with compassion, and um, maybe it's maybe it's as simple as you know a smile and a hello to someone to who's just uh, you know sad, or maybe it's calling an old friend that maybe you haven't uh, connected with in years, or. I think maybe things like that can uh, help alleviate that sort of loneliness. Uh, there is a difference between loneliness and being alone, too. Um, see, I, I grew up as an only child, so I spent a lot of time alone, but it wasn't, uh, not you know, aside from the teen years, it wasn't a lonely experience for me. You know, I used that time alone for... Uh, Maybe cultivating my creativity, maybe mm -hmm. practicing an instrument, maybe trying to write or draw or something. So, and I, you know, I think that's also a very important, especially, especially today when, mm -hmm. when the world is so connected, so fast, so all, all the time, 24 seven to, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've heard this, this thing kind of bubbling up and I think it's going to become, uh, kind of a buzz thing, you know, right? Uh, lately, there's been like the uh, the Whole30 thing where people are doing this diet. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it seems like a bunch of my friends all of a sudden are doing Whole30 where they're 30 days of, of radically changing their diet and cutting out all the garbage, all the right. sugar and processed food and just like getting really uh, raw veggie kind of style and changing their, their whole uh, everything, changing yeah. their physical and their emotional sense because of this. I think... Uh, like there's always some kind of buzz diet, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that I think one that's going to be happening really soon is the um, the smartphone social media fast. Yeah. Right. Like 30 days with no social media, 30 days with no like playing on your smartphone and just, you know, getting out of the screen for a while. And I could, you know, I know it's it's extremely difficult as most diets are, and, but I feel like that might be the next thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, because I mean, of course, I haven't read the studies and stuff, but obviously, it is it is addicting, you know. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and it makes me think too. You know, the first part of of if you're lonely, reach out, and then also with social media, you know, realize just because you're on social media and you feel connected, sometimes you're really not. Yeah. You know? mm -hmm. <clears throat> and it's getting that one on one. That's why I was excited about doing this aspect of the podcast. Yeah. Because a lot of times, you know, you're meeting over the phone or over, you know, Skype, you might see them, but, mm -hmm. um, I've been in a mastermind for the last couple of years. And until you go to a meetup and even though you're seeing people weekly talking to them, diving in until you get face to face, you know, it just kind of changes the dynamic, you know, mm -hmm. it makes it, makes it a little bit more real, regardless of how much advanced technology has come, you know? Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think that's the, the piece of, you know, of get out and meet, don't always think you're just connected through Facebook. You know? Right. And I, and I think that's something that, that Nashville really prides itself on, at least in the Nashville music industry, is, um, is that FaceTime. It is that meeting in person, uh, you know, because I've had those experiences, and there's experiences like that uh, around town that, 
you know, whether it's a workshop or whether it's a, uh, some kind of a session where you can sort of actually sit, you know, face to face and, and get some time with people that are uh, veterans or, or further along in the industry. And it's, it is very valuable because, uh, yeah, the, the email and the internet and Facebook, that's, it doesn't do it. Mm-mm. It's just because it's, I think it's just because the access point, you know, like access to that is free and easy for everybody. So it, it's, it has very little value. It's, you know, the, the value is in the scarcity and the scarcity is actually being with somebody face to face and hanging out like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's valuable. Yeah. You know, and I, yeah. and I think Nashville prides itself on that. Yeah, and I think that's, and I, I think it's, you know, like you said, the fasting thing, you know, and I know some people that have to do it, they turn off Sundays, it's no phone, no mm-hmm. nothing, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think because the more people see that it's a problem, but then I think even too, when you look at all the different areas in Nashville, you know, and how they have all these communities, you know, even churches, you know, how they had the big massive church. Now it's, everything's local. So um, it's like people are coming back to the roots of, the relationships are key, you know, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and it's cool to, cool to see, you know, there's a, there's a great quote that I heard and it's, uh, it's not about the religion. It's about the relationships. Right. And I love that. And I think that's, that's great because there's so many crossroads, you know, and I'm, uh, as I've, as I've grown up, I've, I've, I've found that like, for instance, art and commerce, which, you know, I always thought were diametrically opposed to each other. Like can't make true art and still be thinking about selling it to the marketplace. And at some point, I realized those are not opposed to each other. They they need each other oh, to yeah. survive. They absolutely have a relationship. And same with religion and science. You can believe in God and you can believe in evolution and you can believe all these things are tied together. It's not one against another. It's so uh, it's so connected. You People know? just don't know how to communicate their opinions, mm. right? You know. And and again, thinking about you and some of the interviews I've had you know, some of the differences in people's perspective is getting out in the world, mm-hmm. experiencing different cultures and, mm. you know, doing mm-hmm. the, the wolf thing. I mean, that would totally give you a different perspective. Oh, yeah, you know? absolutely. So, yeah, it's like, again, behind social media and reading stuff, it's like I posed the question today. We don't let the dive into it, but I don't usually post political stuff. But, you know, with obviously the shooting in uh, Florida, again, then the gun laws and stuff comes up. Mm. And, uh, and there's... And I, I've even found like a lot of times when I'm, okay, so I'm thinking of a new name or, you know, asking opinions, it's easy to just go, no, I don't like it. Okay, <laughs> but that doesn't help me. Yeah. Like, where's the where's the insight, you know? Right. Um, and so right. the same thing with, with a lot in the politics. It's easy to just jump on and say, man, he's stupid or, mm. you know, we need to ban this. It's like, well, what what is a solution? Because mm-hmm. we know that that's not going to appeal to everybody. Um, and so I think that's that kind of the cultural perspective and just kind of getting out and experiencing life um, and being more open to opinions and mm-hmm. just to talk about it without, you know, hiding behind, uh, you know, social media. Right. God, just read blogs and you'll go, man, I'm a lot better person because, <laughs> man, how some people get on there. It's like, wow. I know. You know, crazy. It, what's interesting and, and actually a, a perspective I've kind of starting to adopt lately is that you know when there's when there's somebody who who you disagree with or somebody you're having an argument with or something like that it's it's interesting to just step back for a minute and realize that you actually have a role in their in their treatment or in their in their decision or their their rant or whatever like you actually have a role in that 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 maybe caused them to to think a certain way and right. also just to think right. about that the other person they're just another human with fears and insecurities and 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 they're just you know also uh with worries and and stresses and that uh thinking about that it 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 really gives you a chance to take a breath and 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 sort of uh, dissolve any kind of anger you might initially have reactionary stuff you know it's because you you ultimately you can't affect what is happening to you but you certainly can affect how you react and how you right uh, go in the world like that yeah again i think gaining perspective and that is having a grace for where they're at in life grace know? is a great word i love that yeah we all need a lot more of that <laughs> so if you're uh switching back to uh writing if you're if you're well not necessarily writing but just in life um in your case being a musician if you're if you're stuck 
um, you're discouraged and you want to throw in the towel, how do you keep yourself going? I think persistence is the mantra, I think. You know, it's because it's very easy to be discouraged and there's a, there's no shortage of rejection, especially uh, especially in a place like this, more so than where I was in the middle of Wisconsin. You get to be a little bigger fish in a place yeah. like that and, and here it's it's back to small fish. And so it's it's it'd be very easy on any given day to say, okay, well, I gave it a good try. I'm gonna uh, go back to being a bartender or whatever. Uh, and I think it's it's the persistence, which is uh, the challenging part to say, okay, well, maybe this particular opportunity didn't work out how I wanted it to, but I can still put one more foot forward on my path by doing this one action. And that's something I've actually, um, this year, that's a little different for me after the first of the year. I, um, I, I was never one really to make long-term goals or um, real specific things like that. And I still, I, I, I still shy away from, from lofty goals in particular. Mm -hmm. But this year I thought instead of goals, uh, you know, I know overall I'd like to just have a more um, significant role in the music industry down here. So uh, in, in light of that, here are some very specific things I can do. So I actually write them on my calendar. About once a month, I have different things. Uh, and one, you know, one day it might be to, you know, just listen to like uh, three uh, hit songs in country and pop markets, and just with the headphones on and just study production, take notes. Mm. Another might another another day might be to do that and write down the lyrics as they go by, and just you know get figure out what is uh, what's being said, what's relevant. Uh, and I've, I've learned so much from it that I wouldn't have otherwise. Um, and just very, very specific things like that. And I've found that, you know, it, it might only take an hour of my day mm -hmm. to do it on this day. But um, those are the things that are, you know, really, really easy to just right. put on the to-do list. Like someday, yeah, someday I'll do that. So it's... Now, uh, would that be, would you say, would that be study your craft? Would I think that, I think that goes that? into that category, yeah. And... and with very, you know, very specifically right. to do it, you know, and I think that's um, if you're if if there's a, a writer's block or frustration or a discouragement, I think you can always just do one thing, and it's it's just, you know, it's the old uh, the old Chinese proverb of the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Mm -hmm. and that's it, you know the the journey really the journey never ends so. Uh, it's always just one step yeah. at a time. That's all we can do. I guess unless you're doing the bunny hop. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, makes me think of if you if you're trying to deal with a crying baby. Sometimes you just gotta walk out, get perspective, breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, and I find that's good for the baby in. too. Yeah. Usually I take them with like, <clears throat> okay, something about this living yeah, room exactly. me holding you is not doing it. Let's go out and and see the well, dark you know sky what's with funny the stars. Is you know? that was the one thing I'd pride myself on with the kids is that. When they're caught in this moment, throwing a fit, it's mm -hmm. like you got to get them out of it. Change you got to just take them away, yes. and then they get they get fixated on whatever it is, and just you yeah. know, it's amazing change their perspective. Works. You know, it's I've noticed the same thing. That goes back to the to the family man song. Yeah. Like I, I might not have known otherwise, but my children have taught me so much. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Sometimes all you need to do is just change your environment. Uh, definitely. <laughs> um, so speaking of competition, you know, in Nashville, how do you set yourself? I uh, should set yourself apart. How do you clear the fog, mm. you know, to where you can be noticed? That's a good question too. Um, well, uh, aside from what everybody does, which is just trying to to do their best work and put out their best work, um, that's fine. And I I feel like I've always uh, ever since I've focused more on uh, a creative lifestyle of of writing and art and music i've always in even i can remember even back to to high school and writing assignments then i always tried to find uh the most unique unexpected perspective i could at the time like that still hopefully would fit in the constraints of the assignment and i feel like that's still like i feel like that is what is 
still rewarded here too in Nashville as I as I go out and pitch songs and I hear songs and I hear publishers talk about what they're looking for. Most of them that I've found aren't looking for another hit song because they have lots of hit songs. They have catalogs full of them. Uh, more often than not, mm. it seems like they're looking for a writer who has something, a unique perspective, something interesting to say. Uh, maybe they'll write a hit. Maybe not. But uh, I, I try to really, I guess, when it comes down to it, if you want to narrow down, it's just like em embrace the weirdness. Yeah. Like, what is what is just weird and unexpected that I could bring into this? You know, it's the <laughs> it's the it's the bottle of YooHoo rolling around the floorboards. You know, it's like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah, I right. get that. You know, um, and that's you know that and that brings me to to why part of why I'm in Nashville. You know, mm -hmm. I, before I moved to Nashville, I spent a lot of time in LA, uh, really working in the in the world of, of sync of film and TV, and the majority of what they're looking for is sounds. They they want the lyrical content to be pretty watered down, pretty universal, it can't be very specific, and just, you know, sounds and feels. And that's cool. I'm a, I'm a musician, so I love producing and doing that kind of stuff, and I, I've been fortunate to have uh, uh, some, several things placed in TV. Um, but I love Nashville because of the... Uh, the lyrical the content. I feel like the, the lyrical bar is so much higher here. And I've always enjoyed creative writing and English classes and things like that. So it just appeals to my senses that way that um, that I think that perspective really helps. Um, and musically, too, it's, it's you know, country, is, country music has certainly changed a lot. And I, I love it. I love all the, the different things it's pulling from the hip hop. Right, right. The, you can appreciate Well, and I think that's the thing. If you're just stuck in one album, like some people just like the old school. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. but I think the more you appreciate music in itself, you can appreciate all of it because yeah. mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just all unique, you know, yeah. different elements you bring into it. Like whenever uh, Ross Holmes was in here playing a fiddle, you know, he's like, yeah, I've kind of been studying, you know, more hip hop type stuff. And, and if you hear him play, he's got a, you know, this groove going on, you know, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Unique with a fiddle, kind of like the cello dudes, you know, that mm -hmm. rock mm -hmm. that out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it makes me, as you were saying that I was thinking, you know, uniqueness, it's like one thing I hope that I can bring as I have fun with this mm -hmm. is, Hey, come sit in the Rambler. Yeah. You know, have a totally. different type of interview, you mm -hmm. know? Um, so yeah, I, I agree. That's the, the, you gotta be unique, especially when, Especially when, you know, there's so much out there, YouTube and, mm. you know, everything. Mm -hmm. It's like everybody can be seen, you mm -hmm. know. So what are you going to do that's different? Right. You know? So you've got to even more be different and build those relationships. Right, right. Um, so life's a journey, as they say. We only have one shot at it. With that in mind, how are you impacting others around you? And, or, you know, what are you currently passionate about? I would hope that as i as i go out in the world and really try to generate uh, positivity and uh, curiosity and excitement and joy i try to really and gratitude gratitude's such a big one but yeah. I, I i i try to practice these things all the time and i try to remind myself of them all the time and i hope that it it, it it would come through in my actions and you know it's it's impossible we're humans on earth it's impossible not to be influenced by everybody and everything um you know as much as i think back to being a a sullen teenager like i don't care what anybody thinks about anything you know <laughs> like that's it's uh it's never really true i it's, mean there's some that might f that care more but i agree yeah. i can say yeah i don't care but i'm in real estate <laughs> yeah. obviously i have a reputation <laughs> yeah we all care. We have we to all. care. Or else we just we, we wouldn't be on any social media, any, you know, like. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's a good thing. I think right. we have to care because we need to care for our fellow yes. humans on this planet. Yeah. And that, you know, we, we care for their well-being. And, you know, I just hope that through my deeds, through my actions, um, you know, and as I as, as I go to teach music every, every day, I, I try to, you know, hopefully my excitement and my enthusiasm mm. and my love for music is, is apparent enough where it, everything you know uh things like that 
the it, it's it's contagions you know everything right. all these things uh they're, they're contagious all our influences the way that we uh treat people the way that we approach the world um so i just try to be mindful of that and and hope that i can if i'm if i'm going to be noticed or influenced or influencing i i hope that it's in a positive way and yeah 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 that's awesome so fear fear can be such a paralyzing belief and prevents so many from achieving so much more what practical advice can you give to push through that hmm yeah i feel like i feel like we've we've kind of talked about Mm-hmm. fear and blockage because I mean really uh, that's I think what writer's block really is it's it's the fear of not being worthy of being heard or not having anything worthy to say or you know uh, not being enough not being so I guess to get through that ah, yeah I'm, I'm not sure exactly how to answer that because it doesn't really it, it usually doesn't come to me as fear mm-hmm. um not saying that I'm fearless, but I think it's just um, it's just where where you choose to put your focus, and, and well, you know, first of all, even choosing to put your focus somewhere rather than just reacting to moments and and, and feeling what that moment is has on the surface what it has done. Um, if you can sit back for a minute and just uh, sort of breathe and take time to change your focus and mm-hmm. focus on well that fear you know maybe came from a source that was also fearful you know like the that person that tried to bring fear was probably also afraid and mm-hmm. like a lot of other people they're worried or afraid about something and maybe if i can you know project love and compassion then uh, maybe they'll find it a little easier and you know, again, I can just focus on the work of doing one thing and hopefully one thing that will, you know, bring a little more light mm-hmm. <laughs> into the dark. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So last question from the great words of Timothy 4.7. I've fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. When your journey is over, what legacy are you hoping to leave? And I know you've actually probably answered some of that in impacting others, you know, with mm. your teaching. But um. yeah, uh, and you know, I the way my children go out in the world, you know, I, I I hope that my influence on them, which will be my legacy, I hope it's a one that benefits the world and the people around them. Uh, musically, I I hope that I was able to create I guess create moments or create feelings or things to consider curiosities uh, the, the same things that I try to approach the world with I I sort of hope maybe I guess as a legacy that those things I don't know this is it's a tough one because I guess uh, to think about it, I, I should think about the things that have influenced me the, the music that's influenced me and uh, you know that you know the legacy that those, writers or composers mm-hmm. or musicians have left and you know oftentimes it's just uh, things that can uh, help you in some way help you either think about life into the different perspective or think that okay well I'm I can't be I can't be so alone in the world because this other person has felt the same sorrow I have mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I'm not lonely um, yeah, I don't. I don't feel like I'm giving a very concrete answer to it because uh, I'm. I'm not sure. Well, and I think that just like we had said, you know, the legacy of you know the different perspectives and the culture and the love and you know, really, I would probably say I could listen to the whole interview again and that that's answered throughout it, you know, <laughs> in what you're doing and how you answered it. So, um, yeah, that's pretty awesome. And uh, thanks for uh, choosing that your favorite um, travel beverage was. Uh, uh, Arnold Palmer, because uh, I'm <laughs> glad I picked one up. I've enjoyed <laughs> sipping on it throughout. I'm so thankful you brought those in. It's and then today is the perfect day for it, it is, too because man. it's, it's always mean, been my go-to summertime drink. And, and well, it's, it's, it's we're about funny there right now. Yeah. I think uh, 
I had uh, I had heard somebody we were at lunch and yeah I can have an Arnold Palmer and I'm thinking is that an alcoholic beverage? Mm-hmm. And they're like no I'm like oh I didn't even know it it sounds like one but <laughs> I man. think they call it a Jack Nicholson when they add some liquor. Okay to is that what it's called? <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah well it's uh it's good so yeah it's perfect the tea and the lemonade oh, for it. What is it, 65 maybe or something here today? Oh, uh, it was 73. Oh, I was really? driving down. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was, I was amazed. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So, you gonna play a song for us? Oh, I'd love to. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. All right, Joe, so tell us where, uh, where the listeners can look you up. Well, just about uh, any of the social media sites, uh, if you type in the site slash Joe Sly Music. Uh, I guess the main one is SoundCloud because that's where I try to keep my new music uh, putting stuff up that either I'm writing on or producing on for other artists which is a, uh, one of my favorite things to do but all the other ones the, the Facebook the Instagram the Twitter if you go slash Joe Sly Music you can find me out there and then you're, are you open to uh, training teaching new people? Uh, I'm pretty full right now okay. but I, the, the place I teach is out in Hendersonville called Cedarstone School of gotcha. Music so if you're looking for instrumental lessons I teach most of the instruments except for like the horns and uh, the fiddles but if it's got strings or keys I'll probably teach you the drums and stuff like that um, yeah <laughs> awesome thanks man thanks Andrew this is great I hope you walked away with some great advice and great ways to connect with other people. Don't just rely on social media to fill that need. I know it's tempting to think that you're pretty connected when you're on all those platforms, but that can never replace a coffee or a lunch with a friend or just getting to, to know somebody new. That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do the uh, the podcast in the mobile studio around Nashville because uh, I think it's uh, pretty cool to sit face to face with a Joe and hear his story and obviously having a musician play is pretty cool. Um, by the time this episode is published, Joe will have packed up and headed back to Wisconsin. So I'm glad I called him in the spring while he was still a Nashvillian. Next week, I pull the Rambler to Brentwood and I hang out with Luciana Aliaga. Luciana is a real estate investor with experience in new construction rehabbing homes, and multifamily units. I loved hearing her tell her story um, and hear her passion and purpose in real estate and how it was passed down pretty much from generation within her family. And actually even to hear that, um, how her mother got into real estate and you know how, how it can just be a trickle-down effect within the family. Also like how she has recognized um, currently that you know sometimes when you're going full steam ahead, sometimes you got to put the brakes on a little bit, make sure you're enjoying life and you're not getting caught so much up into your business, which is hard to do when you love what you do. And, um, and I did notice after our interview shortly after that, she was proposed to. So that was pretty cool to see to see that she's kind of slowing down a bit, I think. And this obviously helps her focus on, on uh, a little something different. So make sure to tune in next week to hear her story. As far as the sponsors, if you have not picked up on it yet, I'm a realtor in the Nashville area with a focus on residential real estate and real estate investing. I'd be happy to help you with your real estate needs. You can also give Brandon Hutchison a call with the Legacy Mutual Mortgage for all of your lender needs and Limestone Title and Escrow for any title needs. Thanks again for tuning in and look forward to next week. I was whiskey on the wild side Till I heard your sweet and sober voice Every weekend was uptown crazy Till you turned down all the noise And now it's peaceful, easy Sunday afternoons And I'm the open book that's laying next to you You know the way to flip my page so we get to the good parts faster The sunny smile on your face turns my lonely days into laughter You 
Split the story of my life into two chapters Everything before you and the beautiful ever after used to hate it when it rained till it meant I get to spend the day inside with you. I used to turn off those silly love songs till I found out they're all true. Cause they sang about the girl who hung the moon. And now I know that girl was always you. my page so we get to the good parts faster the sunny smile on your face turns my lonely days into laughter you split the story of my life into two chapters everything before you and the beautiful ever after my page so we get to the good parts faster the sunny smile on your face turns my lonely days into laughter split the story of my life into two chapters everything before you and the beautiful ever after My beautiful ever after Oh, my beautiful ever after As always, thanks again for tuning in to Nashville Untold. If you like it, make sure to uh, subscribe and feel free to leave a review. And also, if you have friends and family, if they're in Nashville or not, you think they might get some great insight or just enjoy hearing somebody's story and a featured song, make sure to share this podcast with them. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Nashville Untold with Andrew Buckwalter. We encourage you to leave us a rating or review on iTunes. And be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. To be a guest on the show or to share your thoughts, send us an email to podcast at andrewbuckwalter.com. Until next time, 